Please be seated. Good morning and um, another daylight savings. And so we had to kind of lose an hour, gain an hour of sunlight. But anyways, it's good to worship together. And um, usually uh, it's funny because on daylight savings, it's the only people that talk about it on my Facebook feed are my pastor friends. And every all of my pastor friends are like, daylight savings, get to church, get to church. And um, so I'm so glad you are all here. I'm sure... I bet someone's going to stroll in here at 1 o'clock and wonder, where is everyone, right? So, um, but it's so nice to worship together and um, be here with you all. Um, you know, today we're going to be talking about our convictions, the inner truth that guides our life. All of us have some convictions. It was, is it strong enough to guide you, or is it just barely there? It's like a fire in our hearts. Is it strong enough so I could feel it, or is it just barely flickering there? Our convictions, if it's strong enough, will guide us. It will dictate who we marry and what we do and how I spend my time and whether I'll go into a difficult situation, even though it is a difficult situation. It's conviction. Because if I don't have that conviction, I will always run to what is convenient, I will always run to what is easy. I will go to what gives me the pleasure now. And so it's conviction that leads us to do this. You know, yesterday, um, our country celebrated the 50th year anniversary of Bloody Sunday when uh, the uh, 600-plus freedom marchers crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge and the images of the police in Selma, uh, Alabama, clubbing and beating them was televised all through uh, the world, through the country and the world, and um, the things that had happened, you know, the rights to vote um, that passed in 1965 because of this. Um, and you think about the people, and I was watching an a, a actual footage of that, and I was kind of curious to see. Um, and it was in the news a little bit, so I went and I, I found it on the internet, and I was watching them, and the actual news footage of this. And here are these people lined up crossing the bridge, and there's an intimidating group of uh, police officers and uh, people on, mounted on horses, and now they are waiting and tells them to go back. And then they just surge, and you see them just beat, and the dogs come out, and you see this happening. Women, children, and uh, they're taking a beating simply because of this. Now, you think about this. This is conviction. Because who wants to go as a grown person? This is not even a, a junior high schoolyard fight. This is as a grown person. I'm going to go and get beat. What good does this do? And a lot of people have asked. A lot of people were questioning at the time. And one of the things that Martin Luther King Jr. said, and we see his conviction. He says, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. It is when it is challenging. It is when there is controversy, it is when we are conflicted that our conviction will guide us, our conviction will dictate how we live, what we do. We are all here because we have an inner conviction. We have a spiritual conviction. We are followers of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest conviction to have. It is the conviction, the call, what Jesus says, come lay down your life for me. Don't love your mother or father before me. And these are these radical words, and we say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to go after him. These are the convictions that we have. Uh, the person without conviction. Uh, I quote G.K. Chesterton, who said, Tolerance is the virtue of the man without convictions. 
Everything's okay. Everyone's okay. This is good. That's good. Um, I'll go here. I'll do that. They often say yes to everything, uh, and they don't say no much. It is in conviction that many of us have gone on trips because something about me going to Japan after the tsunami and after these people are spiritually dead, my conviction that this matters, or my conviction that if I go to Mississippi and I help these young kids who live in poverty have some kind of hope that is not a hope for just money and job and success here, but a bigger hope. And so it leads people to this. It leads people to go, go spend the year, go spend the life. And we all know someone, because of their convictions, they have done something sacrificial, done something inconvenient. Our convictions matter, and today we see this, um, you know, in the uh, dictionary. One uh, definition of the word conviction is this, a strong belief arising from a deep feeling of certainty. And I, I like that one, because it's a strong belief it rises from a deep feeling of certainty. It's not just a deep feeling. Because if it was always by feeling, right, how many of us would be now tied down to the things that we are committed? It's, a, it's the strong feeling of certainty. That this is real. This is what's going to guide me. This is the real thing. This is what matters to me. And so we see this here. You know, um, we probably lack certainty in our day and age. It's probably now looked upon almost as a virtue, as Chesterton said, to not have any conviction and certainty. You know, it's um, uh, the great Dr. Seuss, you know, that said, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. And how many people can say that today? Um, that a lot of unsures, a lot of I don't know, a lot of whatever... Whatever is good for you is good for you. Um, but the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is our faith. The things I don't see. And in chapter 11, he goes through now people who are slaughtered for their faith, who lost everything for their faith because they had a conviction of the things they did not see. Now we get to the end of John here. Uh, the last verse, and we're going to kind of go backwards, or we're going to start at the last verse here. And what it says here in 521, little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is the last message, he says. And it almost sounds um, like it's inconsistent. What is he talking about? Right? Little children, keep yourselves from idols. What he's saying here is that without conviction, and even when we have conviction. The idols of the day will tempt and draw us away from our convictions. Because the idols are tangible. The idols give us comfort. The idols give us some kind of significance. There's always some shortcut. There's always something there. When Jesus was going to the cross and he gets tempted for 40 days, it was always the idols that were there. Right? Will you go here and you know, look at the cities and look at the bread and look at this and look at that. And it gave him significance. It gave him all these things. Keep yourselves from idols. And the idols of our day and age, though we may not now build something and make something out of wood and bow to it in other cultures and other times, but yet they bring about the same things. 
some kind of hope, some kind of assurance, some kind of tangible comfort, and we run to those things, we wear it around the neck, we hold on to it as a charm. Uh, people go to it religiously, to these sites, because it brings about those things. He says, eh, he says, keep yourselves from these idols. Get away from these. It's a strong word. Because the temptation is to now replace God with these idols. Now, uh, what are our convictions? Uh, and today we see in our text that we read, and some of you, I'm sure, already picked it up as we were reading, um, is this, uh, the, this uh, phrase, we know. Right? In the last uh, verse 19 and all, we know, we know, we know, we know, and it tells us. right. And there's three we knows and there's three convictions. We know, we have it, we understand it, this is true. And he writes to all of us, we know these things, this is our conviction. This is our truth. And hold on to these convictions. And there are three of them, and I want to share with uh, uh, those with us this morning. Number one, he says it's the conviction to know Jesus is greater than the enemy. Jesus is greater. Uh, verse 19, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, it says. Right? Um, let me just jump back to verse 18 too. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Now, uh, it tells us here, we've been born of God. If you're born of God, you don't keep sinning. Uh, this is not just something that you are helpless to do, that Satan is forcing me to do. Um, yeah, we all practically sin, but we don't keep on habitually sinning, and that's the idea. Uh, but what? He who was, we got to read this carefully. He who was born of God protects him. So who is, who is he and who is him? He who is born of God, the firstborn of God, Jesus Christ, the, the firstborn, right? The one that has all the rights of the firstborn, the only begotten son, Jesus Christ, protects us. We're the him here. And so when it says here, and the evil one does not touch him, it's not talking about us. It's not that the evil one doesn't touch us because we see it in Job. We see it in our lives. Boy, a lot of times the evil one attacks us. But the evil one can't touch him. And so the one that is now for us, Jesus Christ, is greater than our enemy. We don't have to fear what the devil could do. We don't have to worry about what he could do. We, we fear him. He is greater than anything. We, you know, that gives us a sense of confidence. It gives us a sense of victory, right? Man, I, I have power over this. I, Jesus gives me the power over sin and death. Uh, the Reverend Billy Kim tells a story. And uh, in the Korean War, he tells a story about... Um, how they were just, these soldiers were in the trenches and there was just gunfire. And it was just flying all over the place and there were wounded men in the middle. And one commanding officer told his subordinate to go out and go get your comrades, go and rescue them. And there was a particular a guy that would do something kind of intriguing. Every time you can tell him to go, he would just stop and he would, you could literally see him shaking with fear because the hail of Bullets are going over their heads. And he keeps telling them, go get him. Go get him. Right? Now, think about, um, he's probably thinking, why don't you get him? But, um, you know, he's telling you, you go get him, right? 
Um, and when his uh, commander keeps telling him that, something interesting. And he said he was trembling and he would just look at his watch. He was trembling and he would just look at his watch. And then at a certain time, he would run out and he would grab a couple of guys and he would run back. And then he says, well, there's more. Go get more. Go get more. And the guy's trembling with fear. And then he would look at his watch again. He would look at his watch, look at his watch. And then at a certain time, all of a sudden, it's not that the bullet ceased, but he would look at his watch, and then at a certain time, he would run out again, and he would go grab another wounded comrade, and he'd bring him back again. So after they survived this, he asks them, okay, now you need some explaining, all right? What, what is it that you did? Why are you looking at your watch? Why didn't you go when I tell you? And the guy explains to his uh, commander, he says, I'm not a, a, a God-fearing man, but... Uh, and I'm not a practicing Christian, but my mother is. And before I came to war, my mom would tell me, at this time every day, I'm going to be praying for you. At this time every day, I'm going to pray for you. So look at your watch and know, I am praying for you, that God would protect you. And so he would wait, knowing mama's praying, you know, and that he would run out. And in a weird way, he had the sense of, invincibility. He's going to run out. Mom's praying. God is watching me right at this time. Oh, mom's not praying. I'm not going right at this time. We need to have that kind of confidence. What? Jesus is greater than my enemy. He is greater than death. He is greater than sin. He is greater than Satan. He is greater than the accuser who's against me. He's my defense. I go. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We have this conviction that Jesus is greater, greater than anyone and anything, greater than our enemy. So we want to understand the truth. The second conviction we have, conviction too, is I have my origin from God. I know where I came from. And this is a very important question. Where are we from? And it's not just the location, but really, where is my origin? Who do I belong to? Um, it tells us here in verse 19, we know that we are from God. The whole world lies in the power of the evil. We know that we are from God. There's an idea of distinction, us from God versus the world. We know where we come from. We know our heritage, ultimately. We know our purpose. We know our meaning. We know where we come from. Ravi Zacharias um, says, there are four questions we all have to answer, and I, I share this quote with you. There are four fundamental questions of life. You've asked them, I've asked them. Um, they boil down to this. Origin meaning morality and destiny. Origin meaning morality and destiny. How did I come into being? What brings life meaning? How do I know right from wrong? Where am I headed after I die? He said, these four questions we all have to answer. These four questions dictate the choices we make. These four questions dictate the worth of my life. Now you think about this, right? And, and the first and the last of this is answered here. What, where's my origin? Where do I come from? Am I an accident that happened 200 million years ago that evolved from some kind of fish that the water didn't freeze all the way before the dinosaurs died and I somehow evolved and by just accident I came to be and by just accident boy my whole family and everything come to be and my feelings and my emotions and my life and the, the 
you know, the, the, the conviction that I have that just was an accident. Now, if we were just an accident, and if we were just, just happened to be by no one's design and no one's choice, well, we are not worth more than a fish that we can catch while we go fishing. We're not worth more than just a simple bug we could squash because we're all here by accident. But we know there's an inherent value to my humanness. There's something greater about losing a human than losing a pet. That feelings matter and purpose matter. And humans deal with things like guilt and sin. And it makes us different than just the simple animals that are around us. We have an origin. We come from God. We're made in the image of God. We come from Him. So that affects now my worth that I am made in the image of God, I am created by God, it affects my morality, I'm expected to live in a certain way, and it matters in this way. Um, in Habakkuk 2.18, and, and the prophets in, in, in Isaiah, and in Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the minor prophets, often talk about the idols of the day. And one of the things he says is this, in Habakkuk 2.18, what prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies, for its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. He says, we run to the things we make. What good is it for us to make something and then now go run to it? For us to now hold on to something and say, boy, this is what I trust in. This is my formula. I run to these things. Boy, I believe in this kind of, you know, if I have this statue here or I have these things and you think of the idols of our day today. Um, they're all the things that man makes up as important. You going to this school is very important. You having this is very important. You having this kind of activity on a Friday night is very looked high upon. Um, you living in this kind of place is very, it's all man-made. It's all stuff we made, and now we are saying that dictates me. But we, as eternal beings, we have to go to our source of creation. Where did I come from? What am I doing here? Why am I here? Who brought me here? I think those are very important questions. And we need to have that conviction. And the third conviction we see in that same we know statement, right? Verse 20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true and in, him, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal God. So what do we know? We know these things about Jesus Christ and ultimately we know our destiny. At the end, he is the true God and eternal life. Jesus Christ, we know him and he is true God. He is eternal life. He is everything. He is now my destiny. And that's the, the last part of what Ravi's quote was, right? Where am I headed? How will this end? Because how it ends will dictate how I live. Where I'm going will dictate how I get there. Our destiny is set. You know, out here... Um, you see often in, in gyms and stuff, they have like cycling classes, right? And they come up creative ways to try to make people work out and the goal is to work out. But you know, a cycling class, you, you pedal all day, right? And you have, sometimes you have a computer screen and it makes it look like you're going somewhere, right? But you're not going anywhere, you're just staying there. 
And often life can be kind of like, I, I'm going to ride myself silly till I'm tired. Till I'm sweaty and tired, and man, I am just wiped out, but I'm still there at the same place. The screen in front of me might say, oh, you went up a hill. You went up 20 stories, and you came down. You rode 10 miles. Good for you. But really, when I get off, I'm still in the same place. And life, without thinking about the destiny, the ultimate destiny, becomes that cycling class. Comes running in place. I'm in the same spot. I'm running up and down. I am running hard, working hard. But where am I headed? Our destiny is so important. Where I'm headed, it makes all the difference. I know this past week we had our annual uh, pastor's conference. All right? uh, we prayed for them and we had a wonderful time. And we do this to bless the local churches. A lot of pastors are kind of in um, a church, 50 people, 70 people, they're by themselves, and it's, it's a difficult, difficult task. Um, and uh, there's been studies of why so many pastors quit because it is so difficult. It's so hard to gauge success. And so, anyways, we do this. We talk about leadership. We talk about issues, and uh, we had a wonderful time. And it's something that we, as our church does, that, that benefits the local body of Christ. Um, we, we had uh, some special guests that came. And uh, uh, one is there's a seminary in El Monte. And it's called International Theological Seminary. And I'm, I help out there. I'm on the board. And we have a couple of, they brought a couple of students. And the goal there is they bring students from all over the world to come in here and to study. And so they have students from India and Africa, China, Korea. And so when I spoke at their chapel, I mean, it was an international, as their name was, theological seminary. I had translators going. It was just chaotic but beautiful. You know, like there's Chinese here, Korean here, and, um, you know, and my African brothers here. And I don't know if they understand. And I don't know even if they understood, you know. Anyway, so, but one of them came, and he was a brother named Timothy from Nigeria. We gave him a few minutes. We said, hey, share with us your testimony. He comes from Nigeria. Nigeria, as we know. Uh, the Boko Haram, the, the, you know, the radical Islamic group is just tearing that place apart, terrorizing the people there. And it's split be between their region and the Christian region. And he says he came to America with great hopes because his picture of America, he shared, was that it was the Christian country of the world. So he thought everyone was Christian. Everyone's excited at church. And he said he came and he was really disappointed. Right? And... Um, kind of humbling, right? And then he shared, he says, like he says, going to church, for example. He says, when I go, to, when we in Nigeria, we go to church, he goes, we get dressed up, right? And we go, and he goes, no one is late. No one. Because if you're late, you can't get a seat. No one's late, and we're there early. And he says, when he gets there, he says, you have to park your car hundreds of yards away to keep the car bomb people away. So everyone parks their car, they have to walk several hundred yards. And then every person has to go through a metal detector to get into church. And it's still a very dangerous place. And he said he came to America thinking, boy, it's going to be that kind of feel and passion to the church. And he said, I was really disappointed. And I was humbled. I think about him. I thought about my brother Timothy as he was sharing. It had an impact on me. And I thought, man, would we go through the trouble? Would church matter? If, if someone, if we knew, boy, there might be a terrorist that shows up at that church, 
there might be people that are against us, car bombs and this and that, as there are in Nigeria. Would I go to that place? Would I go through a line to get there? It feels like I'm getting on an airplane. Would I go through that to get here? How seriously we take this? And I thought about that, and it's his conviction. This is worth it. This is everything. We have our goals set. We know where we're going. And friends, brothers, sisters, man, if we know where we're going, and as we, you know, the older I get, you know, there's more emphasis. And all, I, all the commercials that make me you know, pay attention are things like you know, retirement. Are you going to be able to retire? Retirement, retirement. Am I saving enough for retirement? And I don't know, you know. And the doomsday, say, you know, oh, you know, Social Security is going to be gone. Do you have enough for retirement? I, I don't know. What if I live to 120? I probably won't, right? I don't know. I don't know that, but I know where I'm going. And the amount that we worry about my retirement, we ought to be that concerned about where I'm going. And if we know our destiny, no longer do we worry. Little children do not worry don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about these things. If I know where I'm going, I will not be easily distracted. And if I know Jesus Christ, therein lies my conviction. Now, you have a choice. You cannot casually follow him. The whole gospel stories keep talking about people that we're trying to follow, and he keeps weeding them out because he keeps telling them how difficult it is. Give up this, give up that. And he said, I can't follow you. He said, exactly. This is not something casual for you to follow. This is life or death. I like this quote from Josh McDowell who said, I am not a Christian because God changed my life. I am a Christian because of my convictions about who Jesus is. It's not I follow Jesus because he gives me a lot of nice things and he's listened to my prayers. I follow Jesus simply of who he is that who he claims to be, and in the verse that we read, that he is the true God, he is eternal life, he gives me my destiny, that matters, and I follow him. And we close with this thought, little children, keep yourselves from idols. The moment we walk out today, all the things that the world says are important, all the things that says this is what gives you more worth, this is what gives you significance. This is what gives you comfort. Run after these things, because if you can get these things, and if you can get noticed by these people, this is what you want. These are all idols in our lives. No one can satisfy us like Jesus Christ. And the psalmist says in Psalm 63 that we now go to him. He satisfies our soul as with the richest of food. He satisfies me in this way. And so I just want to share that with you. And I pray, man, that we would be people of conviction. And that would drive you every day. While you go to work, while you go to school, and all those things. That whether I eat or drink, I would do it all for the glory of God. And not for anything else. Because that is an idol. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. 
we thank you for the convictions that we have, the things that we know, where we come from and where we're going and the one that we follow is greater than the one in the world. So we, we follow you. We are grateful for you. And so God, we want to live with conviction, not for mere convenience. We want to live for what we believe about you, not what you simply just do for us, God. And so we take these things to heart, God. Help us to be uh, women and men who stand on our convictions, on what we believe about you. And Lord, help us to keep ourselves from the idols of this world because they tempt us away from you every day. So we now cling to you because you matter the most, God. Thank you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.